started. Lord, thank you, <clears throat> excuse me, for your word. Thank you that it is a timeless word that <clears throat> not only is it historically accurate, not only is it a history book, but it's so much more. It's a, a living and timeless word that um, speaks to us where we are, that it uh, is able to mold us and to shape us. Lord, and that, that's what I ask that you would do this morning, that you would um, use your word somehow to speak to us today. Uh, just, Lord, you know where each one of us are. You know what we're going through in life, whether we are at a high or a low. You know what, what we're joyous about or what we're wrestling with. Uh, Lord, we, I pray that you'll, just, you'll speak to us and, and speak clearly to us today. Use me to do it. Lord, I'm your vessel. Um, whatever you need to pour through me or say through me, please do. Um, and I pray that through that, by your spirit, that you will speak to everyone and uh, minister to them today, whether they're here in person or online or even listening recorded somewhere down the line. Lord, I pray that you'll use my words or, or just by your spirit, speak to each person, minister to them, fill them up. Lord, change us and help us to become more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, um, Steve, you mentioned, I think you said the word forgotten. Oftentimes, Joseph is forgotten. And uh, a professor of mine uh, years ago, um, his name's Haddon Robinson. He passed away uh, just a number of years ago. But uh, one of my um, favorite professors, an, an incredible, incredible preacher, um, he, he uh, wrote a sermon, presented a sermon called The Forgotten Man of Christmas, talking about Joseph. And uh, I analyzed that sermon, and so I, I have to admit that it's kind of inspired for what, um, for what I'm presenting today, which is really a character sketch of Joseph, who is really definitely a lot of times forgotten, but had such an incredibly important role. Uh, so as I get started, I want to just kind of say up front, there's a lot of things that we know about Joseph, and there's a lot of things that we honestly don't know about Joseph. So I'm going to try to, uh, when I say something, if I say, well, it's a little bit sketchy, um, just know I'm trying to piece some things together, and I'm giving the best information that we have, and some things we, we know about him, and so you'll be able to see that add that out of Scripture today, that some of the things that we do and some of the things that we're just trying to uh, just take all the scripture that we have about him and, and put it all together. Um, let's start in verse 16, uh, which we've read before. But Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, by whom Jesus was born, who is called the Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations, from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations, from the deportation to Babylon to the Messiah, or Christ, 14 generations. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. So Joseph, we know, was from the family line of David. David was his, as I think Ruth said, great-great-great-great-grandfather. Now, to us, you know, it, it may seem like, well, boy, he was, he was in line for the king. But if, of course, it, there probably was several hundred people, maybe 500, who knows, from, from the line of David. So though it was a really, really cool thing, there hadn't been a king on the throne in Israel for around 500 years. If you think about it, around the time Columbus sailed to America, 
to right now, that's about how long it had been since there was a legitimate king from the tribe of Judah, a son of David, on the throne in Israel. So though he was in the line of the kings, it was nice, but it wasn't something that really gave him a lot of benefit. Now, we do know from Scripture that it said he had to go back to Bethlehem of the census. So we, it looks like that maybe Joseph had lived in Bethlehem for a time. Very possibly, he had land there, family there, because he had to go back there for the census. Some of that, like I said, we're, we're, looking at, we're reading into that a little bit, but it wouldn't be normal for him to have to go back to some place if he didn't actually have a vested interest there. But we do find our story started while Joseph is in Nazareth. And Mary is there as well. Joseph and Mary are in Nazareth. Mary, hey, Asher, come here a second. Yes, you. Come here. I caught you doing something else. Kale, how old are you? 13? Okay, so if you think about it, Joseph was probably, we don't know, but very possibly in his 20s, he had already become a carpenter. He would already learned a trade. He was already invested in that trade. So some things say, you know, Joseph was at least um, had a job, and so he was able to hold a family. Uh, so he's in his 20s. Some people, you would say that and there's some historical things say, well, Joseph maybe even had a family beforehand, and he was even much older than that. But he at least had a job, was able to have a, um, a career. And Mary was probably about Kalen's age, somewhere between 13 and 15. So if you think, Joe, you're what, 23? That's what I thought. So Joe about somebody Joe's age, 23, 25 at the, at the youngest, and he's betrothed to a 13 to 15-year-old. Thanks. So cons- consider that. And a betrothment was, was much more than an engaged. Today, you know, you, you ask somebody to marry him, hey, you get engaged, you have a ring, and it's all nice and good. But if somebody says, eh, you know what, I decided not to marry you, Maybe you give the ring back, and you just go your separate ways. But then a betrothment actually could be even from a very, very young age. It could have been, uh, we have a little baby girl, and we know that you have a, a baby boy, and let's have him get married someday. But to break that off would actually would take a certificate of divorce. It wasn't just, hey, we're engaged, let's, we decide not to do it, and so you all go your separate ways. No, they, they were engaged to the point of, um, it was a definite certain thing. And though they may not live together, they were not sleeping together, in order to have that broken apart, they had to actually get divorced. And it was in Nazareth where Mary and Joseph were living. Nazareth is about um, uh, 75, 80 miles north of Jerusalem. And it was a very small hamlet. Okay. It's probably about 60 acres is what they're um, estimating that the size of Nazareth was. Um, some of you all are farmers and know about how big of an acre, an acre you, know, you know, what 60 acres looks like. So this is about the size of Nazareth. They think that probably no more than 500 people lived in Nazareth at that time. Of course, now it's a lot bigger than that. But at the time of Joseph and Mary, it's a small town. And Joseph had a business as uh well we we uh we have said and it's been said for years that he's a, was a carpenter everybody's heard he's a carpenter right um really that's probably a misnomer a little bit uh the the word is is really kind of a builder okay more than likely he did work with some wood very very possibly he worked with stone and even probably some metal carpentry or uh, being a builder in those days was a really um, kind of middle class, uh, a middle class living, if you will. Um, now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Joseph and Mary, it doesn't seem like they were middle class because when they uh, took Jesus to the temple, 
they presented a pauper's offering. They presented two turtle, two doves. Okay, um, so it doesn't look like they were middle class. It seemed like they were um, more on the poverty level. But Joseph was in a business that he was really more of a middle class worker. And in fact, it was very possible. Uh, Rome at that time was was rebuilding a a town called Sepphoris, um, uh, uh, which is about an hour's walk from uh, Nazareth, which would be a really about the right commute. And it was a built in the Roman esque, you know, with the uh, real big stone. Um, so it's very possible even Joseph would would walk over there. Don't know that. Like I said, total speculation, but. As a, as a builder, that's something that was very possible for Joseph to do, to, to go and to work with stone, to work with wood, to work with metal, to have all sorts of, of trades. It wasn't that just that he was working with wood. By the way, um, well, no, we'll, we'll, we'll look at that a little bit later. But to, to think, this is where Joseph was, and he was in a very small town. Um, now, as we read in, in scripture, and as you all know, Mary has a dream with an angel. The angel comes and says, you are going to uh, have a baby. And that baby is going to be the son of God. Now consider Mary being betrothed. Mary, who's a young, very young lady. Being really almost already married, if you will, without living together. To Joseph in a very, very small town, all of a sudden becoming pregnant. And this is scandalous. You know, in today's age, you know, there, there could be hundreds of young ladies uh, at UConn a year that get pregnant out of wedlock, and it's just like, well, you know, that's not a good thing, but, you know, it, it happens, and that, okay, that's today's age. Back then, somebody gets pregnant out of wedlock, especially if they're betrothed to somebody else and they can be stoned for it. It's a capital crime. Mary is a young girl who's pregnant. It's kind of sketchy when exactly Joseph finds out because uh, it says, you know, she has this dream and all of a sudden... Mary goes to uh, to live with Elizabeth and uh, Zechariah, right, uh, for a while. Very possibly because she's in Nazareth. She's in a small town. And let me tell you, it gets to the point you don't hide being pregnant. And it would be a lot better to be in another town, way away from everybody that knows you, to not deal with it. little speculation there, but it makes sense that she would go and she'd be with somebody else. And at some point in there, she comes and tells Joseph, hey Joseph, guess what? I'm going to have a baby. Now consider Joseph. Consider he's been betrothed to this young lady, to this virgin, and he knows that they haven't been together. Hey Joseph, I'm pregnant. You're what? Yeah, I'm going to have a baby. Can, can you imagine what's running through his head? Who is it? I need some answers here. What happened? I thought we were together. I thought this was a done deal. I thought, that, I thought we were, we were going to be in love. I thought that all this was, was, was meant to be. Now you're telling me I'm, you're pregnant? Yeah, this angel came to me and said it's going to be God's son. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know if it, what you would think if, if all of a sudden the young lady that you're engaged to comes and says, hey, I'm pregnant, and by the way, I've not been with anybody. I think I would have said, make up a better story. Surely you've got a better story than that. And Joseph, it seems like at least at first, he didn't exactly know what to do. It says that he was a righteous man. Right? He, 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 he obviously had some sort of relationship to God. He loved the Lord. He, he wanted to do the right thing. 
Remember, they're in Nazareth. They're in a small community. Not only is this a black mark on Mary, because she's the one who's, who's pregnant with somebody else's kid when she's engaged to somebody else, not only is, is, is her reputation forever destroyed, but Joseph, his reputation is destroyed too. Because how do you hide this, especially in a small town? And he's got a, his reputation is he's supposed to protect this, this young lady. You know what? He, could, he could have her stoned, killed for doing this. And then his reputation at least would be, at least would be somewhat intact. It would be bad, but at least it would be somewhat intact saying, hey, I didn't do this. It was somebody else that did this to my Mary. I didn't. And I'm going to have her punished for it. But being a righteous man, he said, okay, let's get divorced. We're going to do it secretly so that you won't get punished as much. You'll still have the, the reputation to deal with. Go live with your family and deal with it by yourself. But as you know, God intervened and sent an angel. He said, Joseph, it's okay. Take her as your wife and raise Jesus as your son. Now you have to understand, this is huge. Not only is an angel saying to Joseph, go ahead and take her as your wife. Okay, he's taking a big risk and a big step of faith here. But he's also saying to, to Joseph, okay, what Mary said is real, and I want the black mark to be on your reputation forever. Live in a place where everyone is going to know that you all messed up. And take this child and raise him as your son. Now, I think if I were God, I would have done things really a lot differently. Good thing I'm not. But think about it. He's putting his son, God, the creator of the world, the one who spoke the universe into existence, is putting his son into a place, Nazareth. Nazareth was, had a bad reputation. It was kind of the, the outcast group. All right? And then you have the outcast of the outcasts, which was Mary and Joseph. And that's where he decides to put his son. By the way, you see it later when Jesus is older and the, the Pharisees and stuff are saying, we weren't born of fornication. <clears throat> that's what they're referring to. We have one dad. <clears throat> they weren't high and mighty, uh, you know, saying, oh, we've got Moses. They were saying, look, we know that you've got Joseph, but you weren't born of Joseph. That's what they were saying to Jesus. He still had that reputation when he was in ministry. This is something that followed Joseph and Mary and Jesus for the rest of their lives, and this is where God chose to put his son. So, you know the story, Joseph and Mary um, have to go to Bethlehem. Mary is about to pop at this time. She's, she's pregnant. She's nine months pregnant. And they're told, go to Bethlehem uh, because of the census. It's about a three to five day trek. It's about 90 miles. Of course, um, if, for any of you all who have been pregnant or have had a wife that's been pregnant, when, when they are about to hear, to try to walk, to try to hop onto a donkey or whatever, to hi- try to hop into a car 
at that stage and go 90 miles is not that easy. So they have to go 90 miles to, to Bethlehem to, um, for this census. And when they get there, as the story goes, there was no room in the inn. The Bethlehem was u- normally a place of um, around... Um, sorry, make sure I've got this right. 500 to 1,000 people is what Bethlehem normally was. Uh, but, of course, it's big and bustling now because everybody had to go there for the census. But more than likely, Joseph had some maybe family there. They couldn't find any room in the end. says that they, they ended up being in a, a stable. Now, we don't exactly know where the stable is, but um, some people say a cave. Um, really, what, what the houses a lot of times were like those days is uh, they, they actually invited their uh, livestock into the house with them. They would have a house that was built up a ways, so you'd have your rooms, your, uh, your, where you cooked your food, where you slept, where you hung out, kind of almost in a loft. And the, your animals would come in uh, underneath that. And that's where they would, they would be. So um, for, for those of you who ever had a mom that said, uh, did you, were you born in a barn? Okay. They, they actually had their animals kind of with them in the home. All right. Maybe a little bit separate area. But it looks like that very possibly... When they got to Bethlehem, the only place that they could stay was downstairs. There wasn't a guest room. There wasn't a place upstairs with somebody. But it was just in the stable area with the, uh, with the livestock. Now, consider that um, uh, Mary's pregnant. Um, you also, you, they're, they're, you're, it's the time to have the baby they're in a place that you really don't want to have a baby. I don't know about you, but um, you know now it's everything's sterile. Everything is you know you got all this, but there, some of you all have been in a barn. It's not the cleanest place. It doesn't matter how much you work in there, right, Craig? <laughs> you can clean it all you want, but it's still a barn, right? And here, that's where they're having this baby, and they've got Joseph, who is a Builder by trade, trying to deliver this child, and they're all alone, more than likely, except for you have she- you have the shepherds that come in and declare this child to be the savior. Now, I personally would be thankful for that. Shepherds uh, in those days, especially, were um, they were the outcasts also. The um, you know, for for a, a shepherd was was kind of on the low level of society, um, so you've got the shepherds coming, and announcing the birth of Jesus, in a stable, with those who really were kind of outcasts, and that's how Jesus came into the world. And it says they laid him in a manger. Really, uh, is more kind of probably a, a stone watering trough. Um, but God worked all of this out. For example, um, this you know Jesus is the living water, right? How much better that Jesus is placed in a watering trough, right? You got the living water placed in the watering trough. You've got him born in where? Bethlehem. Do you know what Bethlehem means? I think I mentioned it in here before. House of bread. Jesus is the bread of life, right? He's born in a bakery. He's born in the house of bread. You don't make this stuff up. Only God can do this, right? He, had, he created a census so that they'd make sure that Jesus, the bread of life, would, was, was born at the house of bread. The water of life is, is he's born and placed in a trough. Right? You've got the shepherd of the world being hailed by the shepherds. You've got the builder and architect of the world, the builder and architect of the church, 
who was given as a dad a builder. Joseph was given the task of raising the Son of God. Now, I don't know about you, but it, for me personally, it would be really hard to look at a child who starts out yay big, who is being fed like a normal child, who is going to the bathroom like a normal child, who is running around and skinning their knee or whatever like a normal child, and to, con- to, to continually know that this is the Son of God. I mean, when you're changing a kid's diaper, you don't go, this is God, I'm t- you know, right? Hello? You know, they still have to be changed. I mean, even consider, you know, they're raising Jesus and they, they take him to the, the temple when he's 12 years old. And they, Jesus stays back at the temple, right? And Mary and Joseph are in the caravan and they go off and they go a couple days journey and they all of a sudden realize Jesus isn't with them. They go back to the temple and get... get I mean, have you, parents, have you ever turned around and your child wasn't with you in a store, right? And they're, they're yay big, and all of a sudden you've lost your kid. And number one, you feel like a bad parent. And then number two, you, you, you want to tell the kid, what were you doing? You should, have, you should have been right by my side. Why did you go off? I know there's toys over there. I don't care. You stayed right by my side. Is any of were we the only ones? Okay, thank you. So Mary and Joseph go back, Jesus, where were you? Now, it sounds all right in a sermon. Don't you know I'd be about my father's business? What if your kid said that to you? I'll show you your father's business. All right, but Mary and Joseph, they, they also realized who Jesus was. They, they realized that he was a good kid. He was obedient. He did the right things. And this was a time that he was actually transitioning in more to Joseph um, not being as much his dad and God the Father being his dad. We don't know what happened to Joseph. I'm going to get back to him in just a moment. We don't know what happened to Joseph, but after this, uh, incident at the temple. We don't really hear much of anything from him. Uh, so at some point, most scholars believe that Joseph died Bef- uh, between when Jesus was uh, at the temple when he was 12 and uh, when Jesus came into ministry. Because we, we, we find Mary. We find even Mary um, when Jesus was crucified. And Jesus, when he's on the cross, he, he um, basically gives Mary to one of his disciples and says, take care of her. Take her into your home. And says it that that disciple took her into his home uh, from that day forward. Now, Jesus, if, if um, Joseph were around, he wouldn't be doing that. Joseph would still be caring for her. We don't know what happened with Joseph, except that it seems like he died. Um, and there are some history, like really, um, I would say probably not true histories, but even one says he lived to 111 years old. To me, it'd be really difficult, given the circumstances. He he, he would have been eighty years old when he married um, Mary, I, because thirty years, if he wasn't around the crucifixion, that make it really tough. But just to say, there are some things out there. People going, I really don't know. But everything that we can tell is Joseph died sometime between when Jesus was twelve and when uh, he was crucified. Which consider this: if you're the son of God. And the dad that you have, the dad that who has brought you up and taught you that he gets sick and dies, or dies somehow or another. How difficult would that be? But one thing to consider is that that Joseph was a builder. He was. Um, like I said, it is stone, probably, probably stone and wood, maybe even some metal. He was a builder, and he was known as the carpenter or the builder. 
And he even says of Jesus in, Ma- in Mark 6.3 that he was known as the same. Is this the carpenter? Is this the builder? Is this the builder's son? One thing that we can see of Joseph is that he taught his son his trade. He taught his son his trade. He poured into him. Now, you've got the God of all the universe who has ordered everything, made sure that Jesus was in the right place at the right time, born to the right people. You, you know, there, you, you can't make this stuff up, right? I mean, this is, you know, with Mary and Joseph, angels and with um, shepherds coming, with the Magi a couple of years later and in, in coming to Beth, uh, coming to. Uh, Bethlehem, and giving them money so that they could go to Egypt because they had to stay in Egypt for a couple of years. And then coming back and ending up back in Nazareth, the place that everywhere everything started. They end up back in Nazareth so that Jesus could be a Nazarene according to the scripture. God orders everything and he says, I want you to become a builder. Now, wouldn't you think he'd like, okay, I want you to become a religious leader. I want you to learn all about the scripture, everything that you can. Get under the, the greatest teachers and get under the best instructors so that you can know all this stuff. And God says, no, I'm going to put him with a builder. Somebody who works with their hands. Somebody who knows how to, to put things together. Somebody who knows how to make a column. Somebody knows what a foundation is supposed to be like. Somebody who knows that, you know, if, you, if you're going to put a roof on a building, you've got to have everything set, um, supported so that the roof doesn't come crashing in. Somebody who knows how to make sure things are plumb. Right? I, I, don't, do, I don't do framing. I do, I've done lots of roofs. I know how to put on a really good roof. All the framing stuff, I would be in real big trouble. Everybody would, would everybody, if I, if I built a house, they'd be in trouble because everything would come crashing down on them. All right? That's just me. But G- God put Jesus into a home where he was taught how to be a builder. And when you consider that the Bible talks about the, ar- the architect and builder being God, you can see how it all fits. That Jesus, you know, it says in, in, in Ephesians chapter 2, it says that we are living stones placed one upon another. Right? By who? The builder. Who is, who is actually the chief cornerstone? Do you see it all makes sense? Joseph was trusted with a huge, huge gift. I would hope that God would trust me with a gift like that, but I'm not sure that he would. To be given the son of the creator to raise. Raise my son be like giving giving one of our young ones to somebody else raise them for me would you raise would you raise my son would you raise my daughter my son god the creator trusted mary and joseph to raise his kid and what we can see of joseph is that in raising God's kid, he poured himself into him. He said, I'm a builder and I'm going to teach you everything I know so that you can be a builder too. Now, each one of us, I'm very, very sure and confident that 
God is not giving another kid to us to raise because there's only one son of God, right? But I do know he's put a gift in each one of us to steward. He's given each one of us a gift. He's, he's given us the Holy Spirit. He's, he's made us to be the people that he has called us to be. He's, he's put in us knowledge and wisdom. He's put in us skills. He's, he's, he's given things to us, whether those are, are physical gifts and talents. Maybe you're gifted at, at playing music and singing. Maybe you're gifted at making things. Maybe you're gifted at planting things. Maybe you're, maybe you're gifted at, at administration and organization. Maybe you're gifted at taking care of people. Maybe you're gifted at, at service and, and making sure that everything looks good and that everything is straight and organized. I'm not the organized one. God has put in us gifts to steward. And they, maybe they are not the Son of God, but they are a gift nonetheless. That he has said, I am giving this to you to take care of. I'm giving this to you to use. I'm giving this to you to nurture. I'm giving this to you to grow up. A gift. A gift of God to steward. Now, I don't know what your gifts are. Hopefully you know what your gifts are. If you don't, pray about them. If you need help praying about them, talk to me. We'll pray about them together and we'll find out what those gifts are. But I'm going to tell you, when it comes to gifts, and it comes to using your gifts out there, you guys have the easier time. When I was in uh, when I was in school, um, yeah, I was I was actually in, in a preaching program. So the people I was hanging around all the time, they were either professors of, of preaching or getting their PhD in in preaching or you know doing um, uh, work in, in preaching. And it was kind of common talk. They they would say, you know, if I if I'm on an airplane and uh, somebody comes and sits down next to me and I if I, if I want to just be by myself, take a nap, they say, hey, what do you do? He said, I'll tell them I'm a preacher. Because then they won't talk to me. But if I want to have a conversation, I'll say, well, I'm, I'm in communication. Or I, I, you know, I, I teach, I teach um, uh, communi- communication and um, uh, speech. And then all of a sudden, the conversation comes up. And they, they can talk a lot more. But as soon as you say, hey, I'm a preacher, people shut down. So you know what? You guys, I, I, my, my, I know my gift. I love, I love to teach. I love to, to talk with people. I know um, my, uh, my niece um, uh, last week or a week and a half ago, she, uh, she sent me a text message. She said, hey, Uncle Ryan, you know, I was reading this passage in Scripture, and it says this. Could you explain this to me? I'm like, yes. That's fun. That's, 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 you know, that's right up my alley. So I, I, I got on and, and I, uh, I emailed her something. I said, if this doesn't make sense, let me know because I'd like to talk to you about it more. She said, no, that's perfect, great. That's my gift. I, I love doing that. I love sitting down with people and, and having them say, hey, would you, would you tell me about this scripture? Or I've got this question. Or, um, you know what, I, I like to talk. I, I, like to, I like to be able to learn how to preach. I've... Um, I've done with with some people. I you know they'd still send me a sermon and I'll I'll critique it and get you know send them an email back and say okay this is how I think you could do this better. Um, I love that sort of thing, just mentoring and, and and helping and encouraging and and teaching and and really you know bringing people up that way. That's my gift. My gift works a whole lot better in here than it does out there, very honestly. But you guys, 
have gifts for out here. You have gifts in here too, don't get me wrong. But your gifts work really well out there. So my question for you today is, what is your gift? What's your gift to give? Joseph had a gift, and what he did is he poured himself into his son, God's son. He mentored him. He taught him. He said, no, when you, when you join things together, do it like this. When you put this stone upon this stone, you've got to do it like this, otherwise it's going to fall over. When you, when you cut it this way, you've got to cut it at this angle. He taught him. He showed him. He poured himself. He replicated, if you will, as much as he could himself into his son. It also came at a great price. A lot of times it's costly to be a Christian. When you get out in the world, and here it's easy. Are you a Christian? Everybody says, yep, that's me. But if I ask everybody in here, are you a Christian? Everybody stand up. Everybody stand up. It's fine, right? Hello? But once you get out there, are you a Christian? Let me think about that. Can we talk, can we talk in private? I'm not sure I can talk about this at work. Let's get together sometime over coffee. Are you willing, like Joseph and Mary, to be given a gift that costs and has some sort of stigma attached to it? And realize that every time you walk out the door with that gift, can you see Mary going out the door with little Jesus and everybody looking at her? Where'd you get that kid? He didn't look anything like Joseph. Every time you go out the door with your gift, you realize there could be a stigma attached to it. Do you use it anyway? Do you go out the door with it or do you leave it inside? Do you take your Bible to work, put it on your desk? Do you put it in a drawer? Or do you say, you know what? I'm just going to leave it in the car. I'll put it on my nightstand. That's, I, I don't want to have any place. I'll put it on my nightstand. That way, yeah, that, it's good. Do you, do you wear your Christianity outside, you know, out loud outside? Or do you hide it? What I want to encourage you today is Find that gift. A lot of you know what it is. If you know, this is what I want you to do. Find somebody to pour it into. And do it as a Christian. Maybe your gift is, well, I'm just going to, the, the Stabners have taken us under their wing in the last couple of years. They, they've got a gift with, with farming, with the land, with planting and harvesting. And I'm going to tell you what, we've, there, there have been times we've tried to grow mint and it died. Okay? No kidding. We planted mint and it, uh, it, it didn't go anywhere. I, I don't know anybody else in the world that can plant mint and it die. I'm not kidding. We've had the worst luck trying to grow anything of anybody I've ever met. But you know what? The Stabners have, have said, okay, come help, with, come help in our garden. Okay, we'll do that. This is what you need to do. Plant it this way. Oh, really? Yeah, do this. Weed here. This is what you do with the weeds. You mean you don't just throw them away? No, no, just put it on the ground. It'll, 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 it'll work. It'll act as cover. Okay. Water this. Plant, plant these things this far apart. Okay, now it's time to harvest. Now it's time. And you know what? Not only are we doing that, we're, we also talk about life. We talk about God. 
We talk about church. We talk about things going on in the world. And it, it, it comes up all the time of this is, how, this is how you live as a Christian. As we're out in the garden, working in our, with our hands, getting all dirty. Now what's your gift? Do you have somebody you're pouring into? I've heard it, I've heard it said that you, know, you, all, you need somebody that you're answering to, like a, a Timothy to a Paul. You also need somebody who is underneath you that you're always pouring yourself into. So somebody's pouring into you, you're pouring yourself into somebody. Who, who is that that you're giving out to? Who is that that you're replicating yourself? Your wisdom. Some of you all have lots of wisdom. You know, you've been around for a while. You've got wisdom to give. Who is it that you're pouring that into? And as you do, not only, not only are you giving maybe some really good worldly wisdom, you're teaching somebody how to plant. You're teaching them how to, to do things. But you're saying, look, God grows. We plant. We water. God makes it grow. So I want to encourage you today, if you, if you need help finding that gift, come talk to me. A lot of you know. You know what that gift is already. Who are you pouring into? If you don't have somebody, pray for somebody. God will bring somebody along. It, look for them. Intentionally look for them. Maybe, maybe you've got some, some people you know. Maybe you can say, you know what, I'm just going to find somebody in church. Maybe you're, you're a lady and you go, you know what, there's a bunch of young ladies in this church. I'm going to grab hold of one of them and say, hey, do you need somebody just to hang out with? Let's go talk. Can, can, I, can I take you out to breakfast? Can, can, we, just go, can we go shop? Can we, can we hang out together? Can, how can I pour my life into you? I've got wisdom to give. Maybe it's getting onto the college campus and doing that. But let's find out who can we be pouring into. This next year, let's pray and let's you know what would we what would this church look like if each one of us had somebody? Say, you know what? I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna hold on to this person. I'm gonna pour myself into him. Each one of us in the next year had one person. I think we'd look a lot different. I think each one of us would look different. I think our church would look a lot different. Joseph was given a gift to steward. It was only for a very short time. And it was a tremendous, incredible, life-changing gift. I believe Joseph took every advantage he could with the gift that God gave. Let's do the same thing. Let's pray. Lord, Lord, I think so many people in here and online, I know, I know their hearts and I believe so many of them want this. They want to be able to pour into others. They want to be able to give the gift out that you've given. We need opportunity, Lord. I want more opportunity myself. I want some, some young men that, um, that want to go into the ministry and, and I, I, I want some opportunity to replicate myself, Lord. And I believe that's the same with so many people here and listening online. Lord, I'm asking that you do that for us. 
give the moms, the dads, the grandmas, the granddads, in the spirit I'm talking, give us all kids and grandkids to mentor. Give us all someone that we're pouring into. Lord, we can we can be available, but a lot of times we can't bring that person along. We can look. Lord, I, I'm asking that you would bring someone along to each person in here. Everyone in here that is ready to be that that giver. I pray that you'll bring someone along. Put someone on their heart. Maybe it's someone they already know. Maybe it's not. But say no and put them on put that person on their heart to say, look, I've got to do I've got to get with this person. Or if not, bring a person along for each of us. Lord, help us to steward the gifts that you've given to us. Not just to keep them to ourselves, but to replicate ourselves with that gift. Convict us where we need to be convicted. Enable us where we need to be enabled. In Jesus' name. Lord, I I extend a blessing to each person here online for your continued protection, your continued provision, your... um, I, I place in the spirit a, 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 a holy fire to be around uh, everyone who, is, who calls themselves a part of this church, that that holy fire would, would be there to protect from any, um, anything that could harm, whether that's sickness or accident or... Um, any attack of the evil one by any means, let it be stopped in its tracks and let only the blessing and the provision of the Lord Most High to be able to come. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys.